Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, the podcast from the Over the Monster Podcast Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start for your Boston Red Sox. I'm Harold Keaton Rocher, joined, as always, by Bailey Von Schneider. Bailey, we have made it, limped our way here to the All-Star break, ready to take a little bit of a breather and digest this first half. Yeah, limping. That might even be an understatement about <laughs> what's been going on with these Red Sox. Woo! Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you might be right. Uh, we're going to recap the series against the Yankees, preview the series against the Blue Jays, and probably just hit on some general first-half themes throughout these as well. So let's dive on in. All right. So we have, for game one, uh, we had Nathan Avaldi versus Jordan Montgomery. Avaldi did four and a third innings, three runs, three earned, uh, six hits, two walks, four Ks. Wasn't the greatest outing for Avaldi, but, you know, he's sort of getting his footing back after coming off the IL. Uh, Schreiber Whitlock followed with three and two thirds of scoreless innings. Then Schreiber finished off the last inning in two thirds. Um, Hulk came in for the save and blew it by allowing two hits and two walks while striking out no one. Uh, J.D. Martinez, Bogarts, Dahlbeck all had two hits, while uh, Devers and Vasquez hit homers. Uh, Vasquez just seems to really like hitting home runs in Yankee Stadium. He seems to have the swing for it. Um, Bogarts then scored the go-ahead run on some quick reacting on a blocked ball that got away from Trevino. Uh, Brazier came in for the save. Uh, so I'm just wondering, what were your initial thoughts on, you know, of all these sort of getting back into things? Yeah, I thought he looked pretty good. He was on an 80 pitch pitch count, got through 78 pitches in that four and a third. Mm-hmm. Um, looks pretty good. Um, obviously, this is pretty tough lineup to come back and get tossed into, although he's done pretty well against the Yankees 
in the past and just yeah, at least in general. Um, but 53 for strikes, pretty good, mm. pretty good percentage. Um, it's kind of right where he is generally, right in the strike zone. Generally effective, four strikeouts and four innings. That wasn't so bad. Um, three runs, again, tough lineup. But I thought it looked pretty good. Um, the velocity looked good, looked comfortable on the mound. Um, you know, worked through that right up to that that 80 pitches um, effectively. I thought it was a good first start back and, and kind of good to get his feet back on the mound here before the All-Star break. Uh, overall, I thought it was good. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree because, like you said, first start back, going against one of the most, you know, formidable lineups in the league, even though I have no idea how with some of the names that they got out there. Matt, you know, happened to just... <laughs> puts on his mustache where he looks like he passes out candy from the van and he can just hit home runs and look like he's never played this well his entire career. So it's wild. Pinstripes just give guys, it just hits different for some, uh, some guys. And I don't get it. Um, you know, come to the Red Sox and you stink, you go to the Yankees and I don't know, you like Barry Bonds incarnate. But, um, I thought that Evaldi handled everything really well, especially coming off of the IL. I, I have really no worries about what Nathan Evaldi is. So I, I for sure, um, I for sure think that it's only going to get better from here. Uh, the real question was though, like, what are they doing with with Tanner Houck? Like, he has three appearances since July third. You know, that's within seventeen days. Uh, is this just no saves, or like, what's going on? I just feel like, as much as I love Alex Cora, his bullpen management and his loyalty to guys are his giant downfalls, and those are two extremely important things like you know like and I just I don't know it's just it's frustrating to see how he manages a bullpen sometimes I don't, I don't know how you feel about it yeah no this was really confusing um mm-hmm. I don't really understand like, I mean I understand you want to save your closer for those safe situations but at mm-hmm. the same time like you start going like four or five days without him you do need to keep him fresh yes because then you run into a situation like this where I was pretty excited here to go. We got Evaldi, then we go Schreiber, then we go Whitlock, then we go Hauk. That should lock a game down. But then we brought in Hauk, who hadn't pitched in eight days, uh-huh. and he doesn't strike anybody out and blows a save. Yeah, I'm kind of rusty. not surprised. Yeah, yeah, rust <laughs> so, exists. <laughs> yeah, so I don't understand why that was the case. I mean, I you got to get him some work to keep him fresh. Mm-hmm. So I, it was, yeah, it was very confusing and I don't, I don't understand it at all. Uh, and I think this result was not surprising due to that. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't get it. Very confusing usage. And I, like, I didn't know if we had just kind of gone back into the like committee situation mm-hmm. uh, and maybe like how wasn't the guy when then like the next save situation was going to come up because he had been going to Schreiber a lot. Uh, but then the next true save situation here comes up and he does go to Houck. So then at that point, I'm like, the guy's been pitching eight days and we got a save situation against the Yankees. Guy's basically coming in cold. What like What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't get it. No, I, I agree completely. It was, it's, it's a choice. Like he's, he just makes choices sometimes that, I question and it's tough when you're like well you're you're not the manager of the Red Sox why are you questioning things but there are certain things that like even a fan can question and one of them is what is what does Alex Gore do with the bullpen at times and that's the one that's the only thing I really question him on yeah two innings no strikeouts that's, that's not it. very tenor Hauk. no 
So that's, it was very clearly didn't have it. So it's, it's very lucky that they were actually able to get the win, especially yes. with their record in extra innings. So that's this one very easily could have gotten away from them. And I will I would have put that squarely on Tanner Houck not pitching in eight days and then coming in trying to get a save. That's, that's you can't use your guys like that. No, I agree completely. Like one hundred percent for sure. It's it was it's mind boggling from time to time. But at least Xander Bogarts' extremely heads up base running was the reason that we won that game. That was impressive. That was very impressive. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising with as good of uh, defense Trevino plays behind the plate for the Yankees was kind of surprising that even a ball got away. Mm-hmm. And split second decision making for Bogarts to get down the line. That was awesome. Yeah. Also Trevino just being like great is like also like i don't get it like i really really truly don't understand how the new york yankees are this good i will reiterate it all the way to them winning a world series it's kind of like in 2013 like there must like there's no bit like if you look at that 2013 like world series team the red sox really had no business winning that world series it kind of made no sense you just yeah. had a lot of guys play over their heads, and I think that's what's really happening with the Yankees. But not only are they playing over their heads, they're, like, record-breaking playing over their heads. And I, I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, you made the the comment of, like, Carpenter being, like, Barry Bonds. Somebody actually had a, a tweet, and I apologize. I don't remember who it was. But actually comparing, like, Barry Bonds and Carpenter age 36 seasons, and they're, like, identical, <sighs> which is so frustrating. How? Like, we're talking about one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball over two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Over two seasons. It makes absolutely... Like, he had to go to the freaking minor. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's just... It, oh, my God. It, it uh, just... I don't get it. I really don't. I really don't. But, of course, the Yankees get to, like, enjoy that. You know? If the Red Sox got, like, Matt Carpenter off of, like, the scrap heap, he probably would still be terrible. You know, I don't know. Yep. Pinstripe power is all like it's got to be some sort of magic in there. I hate it. I do. Pretty much. I hate it. <laughs> all right, on to game two, uh, where things Ugh. didn't really go as planned. Nick Pavetta versus James Tyon. Pavetta four and a third innings pitched, uh, seven hits, seven runs, seven earned. Uh, another game with seven earned runs for Pavetta, three walks, four strikeouts. Uh, those that followed though weren't much better. Darwin's and Hernandez allowed a run. Ort allowed a run. Sauer had a clean inning. Then Davis gave up four. And Deakman finished off the last two-thirds of an inning without allowing a run. Devers did hit a homer. And that was it for the offense. Three hits on the day. One of them was a Devers home run in the first inning. And then absolutely nothing happened after that. Uh, so, thoughts on Pavetta? Poop? <laughs> I, don't, I don't really yeah. know. It's like, it is, he looks, so his season has been absolutely terrible to like looking like a damn ace to like going back to looking absolutely terrible and it's like why like and like everything like his stuff just looks so bad right now too like you know we're talking about how you know like the incarnate of Barry Bonds within Matt Carpenter but like the pitch that like Pavetta threw to him when Carpenter just absolutely launched it I'm confident my five-year-old cousin could have done the same thing it was terrible pitch terrible placement and there's no velocity so I really don't know what the heck is going on I really don't yeah it's really frustrating because there was he actually you know felt the issues for why he was performing poorly for his first four whatever starts it was uh, and felt the correction that he needed to make, made the correction, and then was really good for a really long time. Yeah. 
doesn't seem like he has answers for what's going on now. Uh, and maybe it's just fatigue. Uh, you know, we saw Waka end up with dead arm and end up on the IL. And maybe this all-star break is really what Pavetta needed to just kind of take a break and reset himself and mm-hmm. figure things out and just kind of get back on track. Uh, or maybe that's something mechanical again that just through the, you know, the course of the season, things just got lost and he needs to reset himself. Um, but it's just not having the answers for it or really kind of the understanding for it and just continuing to go out there and get shelled is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Red Sea podcast that Jake and I just recorded, uh, Jake pointed out that his true stats, true ERA, has now regressed to what his like expected ERA and XFIP oh. were. Um, so that's not great. No. <laughs> um, you know, it's obviously possible to pitch better than your you know tertiary stats stay. Of course. Because um, there's other things involved in that when I felt that the adjustments that he had made because he really felt like really pinpointed specifically what it was and then sustained though sustained that success for a really long time felt like that was possible so I feel like he can do that again um, as long as he can figure out I guess what the issue is it's kind of weird for it to just kind of like with a snap of a finger end up happening the way it has and it, mm-hmm. I I don't feel like where the Red Sox are right now. They don't have a ton of time to try and figure it out. They kind of need him to go back to how he was because there's not a lot of help there in the rotation right now. No, they're just completely injured, like devastated by injuries right now. And that's a huge factor into certain things. And, like, yeah, they they are two out. And how do you tell your team with guys, like, how do you tell Xander Bogarts, you guys are only two out of a playoff spot, you know, but, like, we're going to sell the whole team off. Like, you can't. And that's the tricky part because then you have to try to reload and then get into, what, the DS or even the wildcard series and lose in that. And, like, that's demoralizing too. And then realizing you have the guys walk without getting any true value from them. But at the same time, it is impossible to tell your team two games out, we're just going to throw in the towel. You can't. So they have to be, unless by the deadline they just completely nosedive, there's no way that you can tell these guys were sellers. Yeah, especially with this offense. Yeah. It's so good. Is it? But yes, it is. That's another frustrating thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, well, I guess, yeah. Speaking of the offense, there is mm-hmm. one piece of it that is a bit frustrating, which yeah. we kind of knew about. The bottom of the order is back to being a disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this particular game, they had six strikeouts. Uh, the Red Sox as a team had six strikeouts, and they all came from seven through nine hitters. Uh, yeah. In the series, they were four for 30 with 15 strikeouts and one walk. Can anything be done here for the bottom of the order? Or is this just, we knew it was going to be a black hole, they were going to be hot and cold, and this is just one of those streaks we got to live with? Or uh, can anything be done to help? Yeah, I don't really even, I mean, I guess we could understand certain things like Jackie Bradley Jr. We, we knew he wasn't going to hit. We brought him back solely for defense, and that if you can roll with a really solid one through eight, you can deal with an extremely streaky Jackie Riley Jr. and hope he gets, like, a really big hit like he did in the ALCS in 2018, like things like that. But the problem is I I say that um, I'm still, of course, team high in bloom because he's already done incredible things outside of him not being able to put together a good bullpen and not really adding more reinforcements, that's 100% on him. And me being a, a high and bloom stan, you know, part of the Bluminati, I can even say, yeah, no, he did a terrible job with making this bullpen better. But he also got deep faked by a couple of people 
first one was when, you know, the first half of 2021, when Matt Barnes looked like absolutely insane, he got extended. But then you knew he was bad, so you needed to bring more reinforcements into the pen, and you didn't do that. So that is on you. You thought Diekman was going to help. I thought Diekman was going to help. Diekman being this bad is just terrible. You thought Strom was going to help too, but like you still need to be better at that. So like, that's a big problem with Bloom. And But the other big deep fake is Bobby Dahlbeck. Bobby Dahlbeck for the second half of 2021 looked like Bryce Harper. Like, or like Aaron Judge. And you're like, oh my God, is this him? Did he figure it out? Holy crap. We have, we definitely don't need a first baseman. We have like the second coming of Pete Alonso at first base and he's cheap. So I don't fault Ty and Bloom on that. He got deep faked. But literally that's a big problem is how like Bobby Dahlbeck is so bad at baseball right now. He's terrible. So you have him being so bad. You have Jackie Bradley being just Jackie Bradley. So those are two guys within your lineup that can't do anything to help you. So it's like things like that make it more difficult to construct a team. But at the same time, those guys underperforming put so much pressure on the guys above them. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. And I'm not sure there's anything that can be done internally to help because they just don't have the depth no um they've tried everything they had they've been able to do like franchi and mm-hmm. um arroyo and other internal solutions and they either haven't worked or got hurt mm-hmm. uh, so if they are going to try and figure it out shake up the bottom of the order it's going to come from outside the organization hopefully they don't just like add a bench bat I'd rather see them add somebody really good like a brian reynolds that's so. gonna cost them <laughs> so much though Woo-hoo! yeah i too would it was. i would dance on the tops of roofs for that but i see somebody like more manageable within coming being like a josh bell who slots right into first base and really adds a great bat to your lineup too so then you're like all right bobby your butt's on the bench for forever until we figure out somebody's gonna figure out how to trade you or something I, i literally do not know but yeah but i mean of course brian reynolds i would Look, I don't even know the things that I would do. The things I would do if Brian Reynolds or Juan Soto somehow became Red Sox at this deadline. And like, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You would have to trade the entire farm system to get Juan Soto. I mean, I think it's way more manageable to get like a Brian Reynolds. But uh, yeah, either of those guys would just be huge additions into the Red Sox. But um, I yep. don't know. I don't know uh, if we have, like, I don't know if we have what Bloom's trying to build to make those things quite yet. You know, like yeah. the, you know, the Dodgers can do it because they're just, they, they've just been churning it out and Friedman's already got what he's going. And the same thing with like AJ Preller with like, you know, the Padres, like he's got something that they can keep churning things out and they can pretty much get whomever they want. You know, Red Sox aren't quite there yet, but we're building towards it. Like we really are, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. But yeah, so we can move on to, you know, game three, more of the same terribleness of things. Um, We had Chris Sale go against uh, Garrett Cole. Uh, Sale only lasted two-thirds of an inning. He gave up two hits, three runs, two earned. He didn't walk anybody, and he didn't have any Ks because he didn't really have enough time before he took a screaming 106-mile-an-hour off the bat of Aaron Hicks right to his, what was it, the left pinky, and it is broken to the point of having to have surgery. And I don't know if we even have a timetable quite yet on a return for him. So that's a massive blow. This one is completely out of his control, but it's like a combination of, 
like sneezing and breaking a rib and then taking 106 off your hand like it's just it's you can't say that that's an accident prone type thing but that that's like a weird luck factor it's sort of the same with um you know christian arroyo and getting hit so many times at the plate and breaking things that's like that's just some crap luck too and it's crap luck for sale it's crap luck for the red sox so that was a little devastating. And then, of course, um, you know, Ryan Brazier does Ryan Brazier things. He comes in. He'll look great for, like, one start, which will make you think, oh, my God, like, is he actually good coming out of this pen? And then, bam, he'll give up four runs. And then Diekman will come in and give up four of his same. And then Schreiber, I guess, sort of was bound to regress a little bit, gave up two of his own. Um, but then at least there are some things to look forward to, like Jeter Downs did it with a double and a dinger to RBIs, and that, of course, was it again for our offense. But that's something to feel, like, encouraged about, is how good Jeter Downs potentially can be for the Red Sox moving forward. Um, but, you know, what were your thoughts on this uh, this bullpen day that nobody was expecting? Yeah, uh, initial thought, huge bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, especially given all of the injuries currently to the, to the rotation, getting sailed back was kind of like, a, okay, you know, things aren't going our way, but we can breathe. We got sailed back. We're good. And then, then this just bad luck, rando injury happens, and it's kind of like, or not, maybe everything is still falling apart. So that, that sucks. Yeah. Um, then everybody else that followed, there was like five other relievers that got into this game just to kind of get to the end of it. Um, not really surprised, just emptying it out before everybody gets a, gets days off here. Um, it was just kind of a mess, but I get it when you're not expecting it and you have all these days off. So mm-hmm. not surprised, but really cool to see Jeter Downs be consistently good against the Yankees. That's fun. Yeah, I love Jeter getting, hitting Jeter, like Jeter hitting off of the Yankees is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that there is something special about him and I think that, that could be somebody who could be really good for the Red Sox moving forward, or if not, be a good piece to a puzzle to get somebody really good for the Red Sox. Like, you know, the question is now, where do we go within the starting pitching? Like, do we look at a Luis Castillo? Again, somebody who's going to cost a ton from the, um, you know, the farm system. But do if High and Bloom thinks that the farm system is at a point where he can start trading off some of these prospects for, like, talent. Like, you have somebody like Luis Castillo, who you have through 2023 of controllability, and then he might not be somebody that would be that difficult to sign. He's very good, but you might be able to get him at a pretty good rate. So then if you go into, you know, next season, you'll have hopefully, knock on wood, a healthy Chris Sale, but of course he's getting older. But then if you can add in, like, a Luis Castillo into that, like, that's... That's really good, but again, I just don't know where Haim Bloom is with his thinking of his farm system and when he's ready to yeah. start selling pieces off. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I mean, at least for the the short term, I think it's uh, it's a really good thing that Carter Crawford has looked as good as he has lately because yes. he's going to get a lot more innings, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully. Uh, Winkowski has recovered from COVID in time for mm-hmm. whenever the next turn in the order will be needed. Uh, and we're basically looking at Evaldi, Pavetta, Crawford, Siebold, and hopefully uh, or probably a bullpen turn. Uh, Waka, I don't think it's all that. Well, mm. 
I say hopefully not all that far off from returning, but we did think he was not going to miss a turn through the order, and then he did, and then we thought he wasn't going to need to go on the IL, and then he did. Mm-hmm. So this keeps getting worse, so we feel like maybe he's not that far from returning, but maybe he is. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't want to hold my breath, and he'll just come back when he's back, but yeah. um, that's probably the short term, mm-hmm. uh, and then... Like you said, for the long term, that pretty much exhausts all their internal solutions unless they bring Bayo back, which um, they certainly could and may be mm. forced to do again. Um, but for something more sustainable, they've exhausted all their internal options, so it's got to have to going to have to come from outside the organization. Absolutely. And then at that point, I don't think you're looking for like a fourth, fifth starter because you already got plenty of those here now. So I think you'd be looking for something more impactful than that. And then it kind of goes exactly to what you're saying is. Are you going to give up the pieces for a guy like Castillo, or are you going to try and land, um, like, I saw a piece today talking about Noah Syndergaard. Uh, I wouldn't hate that, because I don't think that would cost as much, and he actually hasn't been that bad this year. And uh, I trust, so it's interesting, because, like, the bullpen has their issues, but I trust um, pitching coach Bush and, like, what he can do with the starting pitching. It's been pretty much it's been pretty remarkable like we've we're at 48 and 45 which again isn't so bad in the scheme of not being in the division with the Yankees that are absolutely crazy um like you're thinking like oh this this is like they're they're doing okay and they've been doing okay with triple a guys and how long can that last is the real question but then I just feel like Bush works really well with these starters so if you do bring in Syndergaard who one one hasn't really been that bad and two can work with Bush like you might have a diamond in the rough there that can get maybe be the pitcher back to the pitcher that you know everybody thought he would be and I would love that honestly and again, it's so much. It's definitely going to be way more cost effective than going after a, Luke, a Castillo. I would die if we got a Castillo or somebody with controllability who is yeah. like an, an an ace light rather than you know somebody else. But I wouldn't be absolute. I would not be disappointed if they did do something with like a Noah Syndergaard type. Same. Mm-hmm. Neither would I. MVP of the series for you. Yeah, uh, I was definitely leaning towards Devers, but after we were talking a little bit about Jeter Downs and just the game that he had, and we could say, oh, it's one game, but, like, literally nobody's really been hitting, like, you know, outside of Devers and Downs within, you know, this three-game set against New York. Um, I think I'm going to give Downs a little bit of a nod. He's, He's really impressed me with, you know, having the slide in there for the injured story. I like it. I went with Devers, but I think you're right. Mm-hmm. There was uh, there was not a whole lot of options for this right? series, so right? I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that was going to do it for the Yankees. We were going to take a quick break, come back, and preview the series against the Blue Jays. All right, you're up to the minute standings in the American League East. The Yankees in first, 64 <laughs> and 28. The Rays, 13 games back in second, 51 and 41. The Blue Jays. 14 and a half back in third, 50 and 43. Red Sox, 16 and a half back in fourth, two back of the Blue Jays, 48 and 45. And then 18 games back in fifth place, uh, game and a half behind the Red Sox, Baltimore at 46 and 46. The only division in baseball where every team is 500 or better. So that is going to be a real fun fight here. Going the, to the Orioles, man. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, what a heater. Great. Crazy, crazy things going down in Baltimore. 
Um, normally, we would then review our pitching matchups, <laughs> but because now everything is being reset, um, mm-hmm. we have no idea what they're going to be. Uh, we can assume Evaldi is probably going to start game one, but um, absolutely nothing can be confirmed. So, <laughs> True. True. Um, no clue. Going in blind. Yeah. So, uh, but I think we just kind of talked about how shaky things are in the rotation yeah. right now. So that, that was probably mm-hmm. a good recap there. Yeah, yeah. Um, things are scary. So I guess, yeah, I guess where, where, I guess let's just talk about that on a general confidence feel of the starting pitching as we enter the second half. Uh, not, not great with just the fact that it's been decimated by injury. Like Avaldi just came back off of injury. Sale just went back on with another injury. We don't know really what's going on with Waka. Um, we don't even really know what's going on with Hill. So, like, those are two things. And those were people that were not only pitching well enough for you, but they were eating innings for you. So now it's like Cutter Crawford has looked really good. Winkowski has also looked really good. But, again, we don't really know when Winkowski is coming back off of the COVID IL. Seabold has not looked good. So Seabold being thrown into this rotation, I feel like that's that's a game that I'm not confident in winning. But if you can give me, like, a Valdi... Crawford and Winkowski with how well those two have been pitching, I can feel confident with if the lineup isn't Jekyll and Hyde again, if they're actually as good as they're supposed to be. I can feel pretty confident going in with those three guys that I can maybe get a a, a good win from them. So they've impressed me, but I do think that another starter needs to come in here, whether it is uh, a big trade or a smaller trade, um, something because... We have, it's great that internally we have pretty good options for the first time ever, um, you know, since what, John Lester, honestly. So I'm yeah. encouraged by that, but I still think that things need to, changes need to be made in order for them to, yeah, again, they're two out. You need to tell your guys that if we make a few changes here and there, that we're going to actually be competitive going forward so it's gonna until the deadline it's going to be uh really seeing what this team is and i think that's what we have to go into it let's see till july 31st the team that we have now and whether or not we think that a few pieces here and there will actually help them you know get into the playoffs and then win playoff series yeah i like it lineup uh, for toronto (laughs) they're they're bringing to town uh george springer Vladimir Guerrero Jr. batting second, Alejandro Kirk third, Bobachet fourth, Jasker Hernandez fifth, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. sixth, Matt Chapman seventh, Santiago Espinal eighth, Danny Jansen ninth. <laughs> Very good. How are they? How are they? They're not bad, but how are they not the Yankees? I don't know. Like, truthfully, like this lineup is like what I think the Yankees, like if you talk to me down the Yankee lineup, I'm going to be like, oh, awesome, Aaron Judge is a stud. John Carlos Stanton is hit or miss, but John Carlos Stanton's playing out of his mind. So the problem is that if you were to read the Yankee lineup or you were to read this lineup to me, I would tell you that this is the team that is playing out of their mind, record-breaking like types, yeah. not the Yankees. So it is wild to me that the Red Sox, who have been dealing with a ton of injury and a ton of you know inconsistency in their play – are close to being, like, on par with this team is crazy to me. Okay, so, series prediction. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, it's it's so tough with just not knowing who's going to be pitching. 
um, knowing how terribly they have played. But then, um, you know, we did talk earlier about how it's not just the Red Sox not playing well within their division. It's pretty much everybody aside from the Yankees. So um, I'm going to go with the Red Sox. I think the I want the Red Sox to take it. I want them to go. I want them to take two out of three. I think they can. I think they're going to start uh, turning a corner and they're going to start playing like the team that they they are offensively because the offense is the offense should be playing well. So I'm going to go with uh, a two one prediction for the Red Sox and I'm going to go with a, I think Jeter Downs is going to still be out there and I think he's going to have himself a really good series and he's going to start um, you know turning some heads. I like it. I went 2-1 with the Red Sox, too, just because it's at home. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that gives them a boost. Yeah. Or at least I hope. <laughs> um, so then I went with Devers as my MVP just because that's pretty – feels like a pretty safe bet if he's going well and so are the Red Sox. So going with Devers, 2-1 for the Red Sox. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening. We have uh, some other great pods on this network. I uh, – would assume that uh, Bob and Shelly on the Red Sox Prospect Podcast are going to do a nice little recap of the draft for you, give you all the great insights on that. So that uh, should hopefully be coming soon. Um, Jake and myself do the Red Seat Podcast, which we just did our little mid-season should the Red Sox be buyers or sellers, and we disagreed on that, so you can check that out as mm-hmm. well. Um, and then uh, we will be back again uh, – shortly if my cat stops destroying my furniture <laughs> um to uh recap the series against the blue jays and preview the series against uh cleveland i believe all right thanks for listening oh wait you can find us both at over the monster where we do stuff uh sometimes you can find me on twitter at spoken keats you can find bailey on twitter at frawline89 yes, now can. thanks for listening <laughs>